good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to Are Your Parents Proud of You, the season three finale. I am your host, Matthew Schufreiter, and today I'm Calvin, and playing Hobbs is... Oh, wait, I'm Hobbs? You're Hobbs. I did not agree to this beforehand, but I'll take it. I'm I'm Griffin McCorkle. I uh, do some mysterious things on here that you'll never know about, except you will, because it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I was say, would you rather be Frog and Toad, or you like Calvin and Hobbs? No, I'm, I, you know what? I, I wasn't feeling it at first, but now I'm coming around. I, I, I don't mind being Hobbs. Well, do you know what I'm feeling today, Griffin? Uh, are you feeling, like, excited about our guest? I'm feeling really, really excited about our guest. For sure, for sure, for sure. We are going to have Brian Shaw on the show. Now, folks. Yes! Folks, we have been, I think, talking about Brian Shaw probably since we started. And not only that, but we've had his wife, Stephanie Shaw, way back in season one. She was our last interview before the finale. Um, Remember that, Griffin? Yeah, I do remember that. She was, I think Stephanie set a record for like longest episode. I think so too. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure has yet to be broken. I think you're probably right. She, it was, it was a long one. It was like an hour, and, an a hour and a half. Yeah, it was over an hour and a half. It was like yeah, almost I mean, an hour I, 40, I, I, if I remember. I would have to go back and look at each episode, but I think, yeah, she's the longest. But that doesn't matter. I think even that, I think even early on, we were trying to get both of them together and then schedule. We did. We definitely, we definitely talked about trying to get one or both of them on. Um, yeah. And then time went by and we we suddenly woke up one day and realized that hey we're we're three seasons deep and we still haven't had brian shaw so, so here we, we go brian so shaw, we're fixing that today brian shaw is an actor he's a director he's a divisor he is an artist he is also a podcast executive producer you're gonna find more all about that during our interview but he's one of a kind. He is from Canada. We are talking about his life growing up, how many times he's moved, what he was like as a child, his hitchhiking adventure, which I didn't know about he did. Uh, just a lot of great stories and uh, some other great theater stuff because we know this is also a arts podcast. But without further ado, here's my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Brian Shaw. Hello, Brian Shaw. Hello, Matthew Schufruder. Thanks for doing this. You know, it's totally a pleasure. I'm really, it's thank you for inviting me. It's very sweet. It's, I, it's awesome always having you. And it's crazy because I, it's always funny to talk to Columbia professors a year after this whole thing has started. And, right. you know, we we talked a little bit last year when you Columbia was going through this whole transition. Right. You know, you guys had a couple of weeks off for the professors just to focus on, like, rearranging their whole course now for the remaining weeks mm-hmm. is it how has it been since has it been easier has it been harder or has it pretty much just been the same oh it's been all of those things um yeah it's been all of those things i would say um harder in that it's just uh yeah the the you know just the amount of time you're spending on that stupid computer and then and then the amount of communication you have to do, the amount of pre-planning you have to do, um, the, the amount of thinking you have to do, which is not a bad thing. It's just there's been a lot of like, how do I make this work over this way? Um, so it, so just that. I mean, the workload is pretty crazy right now. 
So, so that's hard. I would say that's hard. Um, people are used to being online now, so it's easier that way. It's just like, well, we're just used to it and we're making do. So, yeah. I mean, I, I do feel that people are mostly still trying to make it work, you know? You know, like students, uh, especially. Like, they haven't just jettisoned and gone like, this is just not working for me. I'm out of here. Students are gone, right? Like, we've, we've dropped an enrollment. So students who are facing that reality, um, you know, have left, and that's totally understandable. I was going to say, is it because, like, you know, you have young up-and-coming art, artists who are, who are like, I don't want to do acting on my computer. Is it just kind of like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, totally, totally, totally. Yeah, I have I have two classes, actually three classes that I'm doing hybrid. Um, so we meet once a week, um, and but... And one of the classes is very small, so we all meet. Um, but two of the classes we meet blended, so half the students are online and half the students are are in the room. That's a little challenging. In fact, that's a lot challenging. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, again, I think there's interesting things happening that would not have happened had we not been forced into this situation. Um, so that's like some really cool things are going on, actually. Uh, and I think we've had to reshape our teaching and our learning kind of a lot, actually. So I'm curious to see how it changes when we do get back to person. But long answer, sorry, they're really happy to be in the room together. Right. I was saying, I, I have to think that energy level is pretty much just all over the place, especially when you have people in the room, people online. Maybe I would assume people online are more just wishing they would be in there or feeling like they're not getting that same attention because they're on the computer screen. Is it hard to maintain like a kind of energy and like a willingness to keep learning, even with all this pandemic bowl going on right now? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, students must be, I, I know it's really hard on them because if you're carrying a full load of five classes right now, you, they're spending an enormous amount of time on the computer. And then, you know, some teachers have better, um, uh, online skills than others. And so they're, they're, you know, like every canvas page is a separate navigation. Every zoom room has its own sort of, you know, um, protocols. Although that's true in a classroom too, like, you know, different teachers have different energies and all that kind of stuff. So are differently organized. So, but it's because you can't like, um, somebody, uh, I think it's harder. I, it's, I, yeah, I think it's just harder for them to navigate. But I also give your school credit, or our school credit, because like they're doing some really interesting performances and productions, whether yeah. it is a mix of online or, you know, I saw a show where, um, where the students were in dressing rooms and they were splitting mm -hmm. it up in half, and that's that's how they were able to do performances. Um, what did you make of Columbia and how their willingness to still do shows right now during all this? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's Columbia doing it. it. Everybody's doing it. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I think um, all around the country. But but yeah, I think we've done a really great job. Um, yeah, coming up with just creative ways of doing things, and then in some ways, like starting to get a little bored because like, oh, we're gonna do a Zoom webinar podcast streaming thing of our show, you know? So it's sort of like, oh, well, that's the format. So you know, at, at a certain point, it gets a little a little old um so yeah you know there's a few things though like uh i'm currently working on a little project 
that's um, I'm pairing up two students from Columbia with two students from Rose Bruford College in London. Um, and so they're working in quartets and they're they're creating this little piece that I'm calling the four corners of the COVID, which is, you know, sort of the whole four horsemen of the apocalypse, but also, um, you know, just the reality that we're performing in these little rectangles. Um, and so their their job is to is to like find, you know, and, and do things like with the corners of the screen and, and yeah. kind of play around with um, with whatever. So so but they're you know, they're collaborating across time zones and across an ocean and and who knows at the end of march they'll have we'll have six no wait four five five shows i think five little mini shows wow so um so they're having a good time i mean as far as i can tell they're all working at it and having a good time working with kids from other countries and right cool I, maybe it's just my personal comfort level but like when i see photos on facebook like you know I, i'm facebook friends with this mom and her son is doing an actual musical on uh, in person, mm -hmm. and they're doing the clear masks kind of thing. Oh. And I see them just like I is it are we, are we that desperate to just go out there and perform? While I mean, like I said, I'm fine with just seeing actors in separate dressing rooms and doing the show from there. You know, I'm doing a show right now. It's all about mm -hmm. um, oh, it was a romantic comedy set in March 2020, in the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah which is nice. why I have this pandemic beard going on, right? Or this uh -huh. quarantine beard going. And right. for some reason, I find that's more comforting just because I feel safe and I have an actor who I know is, you know, healthy and not going to mm. sick. But like I said, I don't want to be in a high school right now wearing the stupid clear mask, singing my little heart out and, and becoming into close contact with people. I just don't feel ready yet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, congrats. I'm glad that you're working on something. So who, who is that with? Uh, second Act Players, they're a smaller okay. um, company they aim towards uh, senior citizens. Oh, cool. Second Act. Mm -hmm. uh, uh. And so, so it's called Pandemic Stories. It's all about different stories set during this COVID time. You know, I'm doing cool. one, like I said, this romantic comedy set in the early stages of the pandemic. And then I'm doing one that's set a year after this whole thing is over. And mm -hmm. I play, and I'm a, oh, it's a husband and wife play, and my wife is, like, really excited to go out into the world and go on vacation. And then meanwhile, my character just had COVID and mm -hmm. didn't, doesn't want to go back out and is still stuck in the world of 2020. Right. So it's a nice little balance of, like, how do we navigate after this whole thing is over? Which, me as a person, I haven't thought of yet just because we've been in this thing yeah, or a year now year. it's it's so difficult sometimes but also just really work that i haven't found this challenging in a long time you know mm -hmm. yeah i hear you yeah i mean it's going to be a real thing it's going to be a real thing what it means to come out of this pandemic for sure you know because people are also comfortable being at home now right you know like i, I, I sort of like last wednesday night i had to sort of force myself out um so i'm i'm a mentor or whatever um advisor to one of the mfa students at columbia and they're so they're doing their thesis projects and you know we've been meeting over zoom and talking and yada yada but um they were um presenting you know a little bit of the work on wednesday night um in in the classic studio at columbia college chicago good old columbia college um so they were in the in the classic and and it would have they were like, you know, we can, we're streaming it, you know, we're going to stream it over Zoom so you can stay at home and watch it over Zoom. Or, you know, you could come in and watch and 
there will only be six or seven people in there and we'll be distanced and we'll be masked and right. et cetera. And, and I, I thought, okay, well, I, I could do that. And then, you know, I thought, oh, well, do I want to leave home at 7.30 at night and drive down to Columbia? It's only a 10-minute drive from where I live. We live pretty close now. Um, and easy drive. And, and I was like, yes, I am going to go. I'm going to go to the room and do that thing. And it was very nice to do. Um, and I have to admit, I had a little emotional moment because I walked into the studio and, and went, I have not been in a theater in a year. Wow. You know, like a theatrical space and, and doing theater, even though it was just in an advisory capacity of watching somebody present some work and then offering some thoughts and asking some questions, you know, it was not directing or acting or whatever, but, but I was working in a theater and, and it felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> so really, <laughs> how how willing are you to perform in the theater when all this is over? Are you ready to go back into one? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think so. It, it's going to depend a lot on what the situation in the in the world is and how the theater manages that. I don't I I don't think we'll be in. I I my, I've heard that what will probably happen is that audiences will be masked. Um, and more than likely, it'll be very weird. The first couple of rows from the actors will be probably taped off. Um, so that you'll be, you know, even if you're in a small theater, you'll be, you'll be, the audience will be at, at a little distance. So, so that'll be weird. But it's like, you know, you, but you'll hear, you know, people's little chuckles and whatever, right? When people, like, they'll all be muted because they're going to be masked. It's going to be very, yeah, it's not going to be like doing a show. Yeah, but as long as there's some energy, though, that yeah. we're all back, I think that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really care if I'm masked up or not. As long as I'm in the room with a group of artists again, like... Yeah, it'll be it. nice. Well, speaking of an artist, let's talk about you as a young artist. You are from Canada and in Alberta. Uh, what were you like as a child? Shy, very, 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 very shy. I think I was a weird, curious kid. Um, but yeah, I, I did not want to be the center of attention mm. at all. I, I, I would fall apart if I became that. Um, if, if attention was sort of on me in a room, you know, um, I just did not navigate that space well at all uh, as a kid. We moved a lot too. Like we moved, I went to one five or six different grammar schools. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, just was it because how come was it just different jobs for your parents or just different change of scenery? Yeah, my dad had kind of had wanderlust for for a lot of his life, um, and so yeah, we moved a lot for for his work. Even though a lot of it was with, I mean, initially it was with the same company, and then he shifted and he became an uh, an Anglican priest, Episcopal priest in the U.S. And even after he did that, which was in the swing in the 60s, um, you know, he moved a lot because, yeah, we went to one, two, three, four different parishes, you know, um, uh, during that period of time, you know, before my parents divorced and all that kind of stuff. So, um so yeah, we we just moved. I moved every yeah year and a half. Like I was born in Edmonton. I have no memories of living in Edmonton whatsoever because oh, wow. we moved to Vancouver when I was two. And my sister was born in Vancouver, 
And then by five, we were living in Winnipeg. By the time I was five, I was living in Winnipeg. And then by the time I was eight, I was living in Hinton, Alberta. By the time I was 10, I was living in Calgary. By the time I was 12, I was living in Ottawa. That's, see that, and bring up the shyness. I think that has to be just so hard just to go from place to place. And it's even funnier because, like, knowing you, watching you teach or perform, there's a great confidence about you. And, like, so, mm-hmm. like I'm like, I watch, I'm like, wow, I can listen to this guy all day. But even when, like, the thousands of artists who've been on this show, when I ask them what they like as a child, they say shy. They, they, they always say shy, which I find just so fascinating. Like, even myself, I was shy as a, a kid. So I'm always just curious where this confidence sort of came from, probably just from the performing, probably. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Doing, doing theater and, and being, yeah, being in collaborative spaces. I also, I did get lucky. Uh, when I was 12, we moved to Ottawa, Canada, the capital of the country. Um, so that was halfway through grade six. So I, that was my last grammar school. Um, and I, I always managed to like make a few, as people do, like I was not, you know, like I was not an outcast or anything at all. I, I, I did not have a wide circle of friends, but I, I always had friends in, in every school I went to. Um, there were people I hung out with. Um, but, uh, anyway, I, I stayed in Ottawa all the way through high school. So I, so we did middle school, which in Canada was grade seven and eight. Um, I went to Fielding High School, middle school. I made, made a bunch of friends there and then a lot of them, uh, stayed with me through high school. Um, and, and we did in Ontario in those days, you did five years. You went to grade 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't have to. You could graduate after grade 12, but if you wanted to go, and go to college, but if you wanted to go to university, you were kind of expected to go to grade 13. Oh, so, yeah. So I was, so I was in high school for five years and, and, you know, and, and made a lot of friends. I mean, I just, I, 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 I'm one of the last ones in my high school group to turn 60. So I turned 60 in February. Um, so I made sure we had a zoom call. Um, and so I had, we had a zoom call a month ago, less than a month, about a month ago, um, with a bunch of my friends from high school, um, who are still actually, I'm still actually pretty close to weirdly enough. When do you think that spark of theater or even acting came from? Um, some of it came from, from that group of people, like my friend Robert Bruner, um, is a very, uh, um, driven human being. Um, and he created, he created this, uh, little society called FRAS, P-H-R-A-S, the Patrick Harry Royal Assembly Society, which is kind of, I mean, this is the seventies, right? So it's kind of based on a little combination of like Monty Python and, Second City, I mean, uh, Saturday Night Live, which was just, you know, debuting in, what, 75? Yeah. Um, so it was sort of based in that sort of sketch comedy um, and kind of absurd comedy kind of world. So we, and then I was friends with Bobby and Michael, um, and and so we created this little group, and we used to write and perform our own material. Um, and then they would allow us, to, like the high school allowed us to, to perform it. So we would have assemblies, and we would... You know, and, and there'd be an assembly for whatever reason, and then Frass would perform like a skit um, uh, or a couple of skits at the assembly. And there, some of them. I mean, one of my friends, um, John John J P Jean Paul, um, who now calls himself Johnny Vegas because he's a um, he's a Frank Sinatra impersonator. Oh. That's how he makes his living. Um, 
uh, so Johnny Vegas uh, in Ottawa, Canada. That's what he does. Anyway, um, he's a he's a, like the archivist person. So he kept old typewritten copies of scripts and has been sending some around and, you know, the nostalgia train. Um, they're pretty funny. Some of them pretty funny. Did you have like I, I, I when, every time I'm hearing you talk, I think of like David Byrne for some reason. And mm, the hair. Yeah, well, yeah, the hair. I think just also the whimsical personality he has. But he would mention in interviews how much how shy he was and how much he likes to be in his shell when he's like off stage. But then when right. he's on, he just sort of lets loose. Was that kind of like you? So you mentioned you were shy. Did you just sort of let loose when you were performing? Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably pretty true. I still need downtime. Like I can be very you know, outgoing in a classroom or, or I can certainly perform. I don't have, I, I, I do enjoy performing a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm fine in front of an audience and I, I don't very often get nervous at all anymore. Every now and again, it's sort of like, oh, uh, but mostly, mostly it's just like, oh, this will be great. This will be fun. I've done this a lot. It'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, it, that doesn't happen. Like I can easily get up and do that thing, but then, at a certain point in the day or whatever, I need like, you know, I need to decompress and not talk to people. Right. That, well, those, that's what naps are for, right? That, that's right. That's what cats are for, Matt. That's what cats are for. <laughs> I'm allergic to cats. I, I, this, we have a dog life. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. Are you allergic yeah. to dogs too? Yeah. Well, the dog likes to like cryalize the emotional dog so okay you know, if i need to let down if i need to like you know let loose or sort of decompress i have the dog to, like there you go randomly nice. cry on my knee i'm like all right well put yeah the on and listen to uh their feelings you know <laughs> <laughs> nice so I, I just want to confirm so then so you graduated high school and now you went to the states and it was this when you went to columbia but i also but i also know you went to uh DePaul after, so you did DePaul first? No, no, and it's a more complicated history. So I graduated high school. I did not go to college right away. Um, I, I took two years off and um, and lived after high school. So, um, the, for, yeah, and it, I was I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I my, a lot of my friends went to college, went to well university. Um, went to university right away. Um, uh, I just did not. I did not know what I wanted to study or where. Um, and we, you know, there was none of that in those days. Like there was no, and I was a smart kid. Like I was, I was my high school valedictorian, right? So, so I'm, I, you know, I was at the, at, at the, what, well, I guess I was the top of my class. Um, so, or whatever. So, um, we didn't do it quite that way. I was selected because I was, I don't know why. I don't know why I was like because I was I was articulate and had been busy and and I did have really good grades. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean the expectation was that, but we didn't. I there was no college visits. Like there was zero. Like there was zero. Like what universe? Like by my mother or my father, um, there was zero. Like none. There was no like we're going to go and visit this university or whatever or or even. A conversation about like what would you want to study? That is none. Like because was, just, was there any re was it the conscious just big face from you saying I don't want to visit them? I just didn't know, or they just never brought it up. They just never brought it up. Um, and you know, I had friends who you know were like, oh, I'm going to go study music at University of Ottawa, or 
I'm going to go study, you know, whatever account, you know, at, at Carleton University or what, I mean, I had friends who, you know, were like sort of, but I, I was just like, ah, I don't know. Um, so, so I didn't, you know, it's like, why go to school? And I think that's perfectly fine. Like I, oh, yeah. I like when I was in high school, you know, everyone told my parents are always like, you go to high school, you graduate, and then you're off. Like that's always seems to be the plan. Um, and then usually when I told them like, Hey, I want to do theater or at the time radio, they're all like, okay, mm-hmm. but how are you gonna, you know, make something out of it? Right. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, we well, gotta make money somehow. And I'm, and I'm like, well, you know, that's what, that's what the local Walgreens down the street is for. You know, that's why we, I work there. <laughs> um, were your parents, I mean, what was those two years like? Was it just working? Was it traveling or was it just? Yeah, it was, it was, it was all of that. I mean, I, I, I was working, but like I was working, um, my first full-time job after high school. Like I worked a lot in a lot of different kinds of things. I had a lot of jobs, um, uh, growing up and kind of like blue collary jobs. Like I worked in a brick factory. I worked as a dishwasher. Um, you know, uh, uh, I worked in a grocery store for through high school, but yeah, my my job that like the full like full time job, I was a janitor at a Four Seasons hotel in Ottawa, Canada. Um, I was like the only white guy on you know a staff of Caribbean and mostly mostly people from the Caribbean because Canada has a large the black population primarily primarily Caribbean, but there were also like a lot of immigrants, Portuguese and Chinese and all sorts of people as Canada kind of is. Um, so I was, you know, I, I worked, yeah, I worked as a janitor in the Four Seasons Hotel. Um, uh, I got fired from that job because I, I, they were swapping out pillows, um, to read, like, to, you know, to fill them or whatever. So we had to get these big laundry carts and like take all the pillows off, you know, for 14 and take them to the, to the elevator, take them down to the parking garage and some pillow fluffing company was working in the, right. So we had to do that. Anyway, I, I, so I had this huge cart full of pillows. Um, and, uh, and I went to the freight elevator and it was being used by somebody to do something. So it was like, oh, it's going to be 10 minutes. So I was like, I've got a cart full of pillows. And so of course I just lay in the cart full of pillows. And the next thing I know, my boss was getting off the elevator. <laughs> like, you are fired. Cause I was very asleep in that big pile of pillows. So I got, I got fired from that job. Um, I worked as a tree planter, um, in Ontario, uh, seven and a half cents a tree. Um, that's a hard job, live in a tent for the summer. Um, anyway, after that, I, I actually hitchhiked for, so I hitchhiked from like May, I guess it was 19, it, it would have, it, yeah, it was 1980. Like, yeah, 1980 until December 1980. Wow. Just so I had, what made you want to do it? Um, I'd done it before. I mean, I did It was the thing. It's easier to do in Canada. It's it's a little safer. Um, I'd done some hitchhiking out in the east coast of Canada. My dad lived out there, and the friends of my, came out to visit me out there, and we hitchhiked to Newfoundland and back, and had a really great time, and um, and all that. So I just I was like, I haven't. I was born out west. I'd lived out west. I had not been out west since. Uh, since like 1972 and this is 79, 80, this is 80. So I hadn't been, I didn't see the mountains. I was like, I'm just going to go out west and see the mountains. So, um, uh, 
so I did. So I just hitchhiked across the country, um, solo by myself. Um, and I found work. Like I, I found work in the oil field. I found work on the railroad. I picked fruit for a while. Um, uh, so I just did the thing. It's a, it's like a thing in Canada. There's just like this weird itinerant group of people who kind of move around and just have these sort of, it's sort of a hippie lifestyle. They sort of have these hippie jobs. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I was watching like Indiana Jones and like how he'll do it by himself. Like, oh, I want to do that. And then I got older, I read and then watched the movie of Into the Wild. Mm. Like, oh, no, this, this is not for me. Like, this is and how, like, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, how he dies. And like, he crawls up in his sleeping bag. I'm like, nope, I, I don't want to do that. That's not for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, well, I mean, it was a crazy adventure. I mean, I was gone from home for, yeah five months just living out of a sleeping bag in a tent mostly i mean when i worked in the oil fields we they put us up in hotels when i lived and worked on the railroad we were in like bunk cars on the on the railroad siding so i had a place to stay there um but we we left that job and i i went a lot of there were a lot of Cree first nations people on the on the crew on the railroad crew and they took a liking to me so i ended up living on the flying dust um, First Nations Reserve in um, Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, north of North Battleford, Saskatchewan, just like way up in the prairies on the north. Um, so I lived on the in the on the reserve for like six weeks with, with you know we went moose hunting and you know just whatever smoked a lot of dope um, uh, as you will when you're twenty or nineteen years old. Um, yeah, just just. I mean, I, yeah, I did. I, I just, I, I, I crossed, I mean, I, everywhere. I was, I, I don't know how many thousands of miles I hitchhiked. A lot. Did you grow like the mountain man beard during all that? No, I don't remember how I shaved. I mean, I was old enough. I had a, I had, I don't think I had that heavy a beard at that point. We, we have a, an island up in Canada, in Ottawa. And so like, we, you know, the, we have no Wi-Fi or electricity up there. Right. So I was like, lanterns and the only thing we have is a cranked up radio and you can only get like 30 minutes of the Cubs game at like 10 o'clock at night right so like our the always the goal was like who can grow the best beard because you're gone for nine days and you're not going to shave right um i have and so it's always been like my one uncle because he can just grow something like this um the last time i went i cheated and didn't shave for about three weeks and then ended up winning mm. um so I always like to ask the mountain man question. Um, right, for sure. Right. So where is this place? Ottawa in Dryden. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Fort Pierre Lodge, it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandpa and his friend built it way back when. And then right. Went, and then my grandpa had kids. And then when they had kids, they brought their kids. So it's like a never ended. Right. So we're hoping to go back this summer should the border open up. but Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm hoping for that too. I got a, I got two kids up there. I'd like to see them. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I did all that stuff, and yeah, it was, you know, it was. Well, it was a crazy adventure, is what it was. Right, and then what finally made you be like, all right, I think it's time that I get an education. Uh, it wasn't even that. I mean, the next thing was my dad had moved from Canada to the United States, so he moved to. Weirdly enough, Bat Cave, North Carolina. He got a parish in, in the town of Bat Cave, North Carolina, which is in the in the Western Carolina near um, Asheville. 
Um, right, you know, right in the mountains, really beautiful. So that's he weird. That's where he managed to find a parish. So he went there. Good bishop. There was a good bishop in that diocese, um, William Winehower. Um, he was a good guy, very liberal, um, which is pretty rare for anyway, whatever. My dad was very liberal. So my dad ended up down there and I, um, I was like, I hadn't seen my dad in a couple of years. Um, and, uh, and I was like, Hey, can I come down and visit you? And he said, yeah, why don't you do that? So he flew me down from Ottawa to Bat Cave. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and he was sort of like, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I just like to hang out for a little while if that's okay. And he was, he said that was fine. You know, he's, he's a good guy. So, um, I ended up finding a job down there, even though I didn't have a green card. Um, I, I worked for this guy named Lemuel Carroll Oates at the Manual Woodworkers and Weavers, um, in Bat Cave, North Carolina as his shipping, one of his shipping clerks. Um, and, Anyway, so I, I, I was working for Lemuel, uh, who was an interesting guy, uh, working with Jeff Sinclair and just living in like suddenly like being in Western Carolina, like it was very weird. Um, but my dad said, you should get a green card. You know, you can get a green card before you turn 21. I can sponsor you for immigration. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Why not? Why don't I do that? Um, so, so I did. So I got a green card. Um, which was easy. I mean, partly because I'm a white guy and that's, you know, it was easier, but also because like my dad had, he could sponsor me. So I had a sponsor. Um, so I didn't have to meet a bunch of other requirements and it, I'm sure they're harder than they were back in 1981. Right. Like I came down just after stupid Ronald Reagan had been elected. Um, so, uh, Anyway, so I ended up getting a green card and then for Lemuel, I, I did this weird thing. He, he had ran this, this business that did, um, uh, like sold mountain crafts, right? Um, at gift, at gift shows all over the country and, or gift, whatever. So he did these gift shows in major cities, sort of the, the, these wholesale fairs where businesses would come and like buy, like, oh, that, like your lamp behind you, right? Like, oh, we can get that lamp and, Blah, blah, blah. I'll order a dozen of those. I can tell those, right? So there's one of those like major gift show things. Um, and because I, I was pretty articulate, um, and Lemuel's business was growing, he was like, you should come on the road with me and we, we should just, you should do some gift shows and let's just see how it goes. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. Um, so I started flying with him like to Dallas and LA and New York and Chicago and I'd never been to any of those cities, um, before, right? So, I started flying around with Lemuel and doing the gift show circuit. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, like 30 weeks a year in, in, in airports kind of thing, that, that kind of job. Um, and he was a funny guy. Anyway, I ended up in Chicago a couple of times. I was like, Oh, this is a really cool city. Um, and also I was like, what do I want to do? And I realized I had a good visual imagination. Um, uh, that I just have an eye for things. I thought, Oh, I'll study film. So, so I looked in, you know, what schools are in Chicago and I looked and it was like, oh, Columbia College Chicago um, has this film school and it's like, you will make films, right? The practical sort of nature of the college drove me. And so I applied and they accepted me and, and I was like, well, I'll go to Columbia College and I'll study film. That's awesome. Has the department changed as much since, you know, obviously since you taught now and what it was back then? Yeah, for sure. In lots of good ways. Um much more professionalized. Um, 
much less um, uh, casually racist, um, for sure. You know, like, it, yeah, it was not a very healthy environment for people of color way back in the day. Not that I think people were, again, it was it was just it was just the casual racism of the 80s. You know, I mean, it's just things have changed drastically in the last 20 years um, in certain places. In other places, they haven't changed at all. Um, so, so yeah, much more of a, of a, you know, of a, of a, you know, recognition of like, holy crap, um, this, we must obviously, um, you know, um, it's weird to say be inclusive, um, be included and include. You know what I mean? Cause when you say, oh, we're going to be inclusive, it's sort of like, oh, it's, it, the onus is on us to sort of like include people in our world. It's like, no, no, we need to be like actually diverse right um so so you know we still have ways to go in, in the department in the college for sure that way but um yeah it's a much healthier environment than it was 25 years ago um it's a little more controlled it was pretty crazy back in the day were you a good student did you always like going to school i always i, I always wonder because sometimes those people who took maybe some time off they Right. School. They didn't connect with their classes or mm -hmm. they just couldn't find a subject. Did you even like going to school? Yeah. I like learning. I'm, I totally like learning. For sure. Yeah. 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 I like, I like, yeah, I do. Right. And then so you went to Columbia and then was it after you graduated was teaching just something you thought, you know what? I think I kind of like teaching or was, or did, take, did that take longer to figure out, too? That took some time, too. I, right after I graduated from Columbia, I went back to Canada. Okay. Because um, I, I, I was, I was I don't know, I just, I, that's what I wanted to do. So I did. So I, I went to Toronto, which has a good theater scene. Um, and I lived in Toronto for two years. And I did, you know, my first professional show was in Toronto. Um, I did a little bit of TV stuff up there. Did two or three shows in Toronto over those two years. Um, one of them was really formative in terms of what the show was and, and, and where we took it and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was, was quite successful and truly bizarre show. Um, so I, I, I lived in Toronto for a couple of years. I really enjoyed it, but I realized I was going to lose my green card if I stayed another year. Um, so I thought, ah, fuck, what do I do? So I, I thought, okay, I'll come back to Chicago and see, like, for a year and sort of see what happens in Chicago, you know, theater-wise. Um, and so I, I did. I came back to Chicago, and I immediately got capped in something, and then I immediately got capped in something else, and then I immediately got capped in something else. Um, and then I went back to Columbia and asked, well, no, one of the, one of the Columbia teachers um, who I like, who actually taught theater history, crazily enough, which was called styles and crafts um back in the day um she was a costume designer and she had a big gig i can't remember where somewhere out of town and she was going to be gone for six weeks um and i was a good, really good student in that class so she's like hey can you take the class over for six weeks and i was like yeah yeah I teach this why not so um so i did so i took the class over for six weeks and i, I just had a really good time um, and the students seemed to really, um, jive with me. Like we had, I walked in the classroom was actually not a very happy place. 
when I walked in. I'm not saying like I turned it around, a magical feature. Um, but you know, there was it, it was just the sense of like, oh, this is a little tense in this room. Um, let's see if we can, you know, at least loosen it up and have some fun. So, um, so we did, and and uh, for the most part, and, and yeah, it really went well. And then I was like, hey. She was like, do you want to co-teach in the fall? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So then Sheldon asked me if I also wanted to teach an acting class because I was working. I mean, I'd done at that point, even though I was only like two or three years out of college, I had done 10 shows. Wow. And, you know, some commercials and a bunch of stuff. Like I, I worked a lot in those days. So, um, so I was teaching beginning acting and then, uh, full-time position came up and it was life was way easier in those days to get those jobs basically Sheldon would say do you want this I'll give it to you um so so I was like yeah comes with health care oh maybe <laughs> like say no say no more like sign me up right but so yeah I just I, I took a full-time they were called artist in residence jobs back in those days and they were not permanent and they were not tenured and all of that stuff. And so I took that job. Um, and they didn't pay for crap. I think it, it paid like, I mean, honestly, I think it paid 19 or $20,000 a year. It was not a lot of money. It was not like a full-time job. I mean, it was a full-time job, but it was like, I mean, it was, it was a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, yeah, it was not, it was not significant money by any stretch of the imagination. So, but it was steady. Um, and I could work. Yeah. Do you remember what, like, the Chicago theater scene was? Was this just at the height of, you know, Steppenwolf and, like, the height of the Goodman? Was it really just in-your-face kind of theater? Yeah, there was a lot of that, for sure. For sure. There was a, yeah, yeah, Steppenwolf was, was very, I mean, they hadn't moved into the big, the big, you know, theater plant on, on, um, Halstead yet. They were, they were in a little teeny theater on Halstead. Not teeny, like, 140 seat yeah. theater. Um, yeah, the first shows I saw of Steppenwolf were actually at the old, um, Jane Addams, uh, space on, uh, Broadway, just north of Belmont. Um, it was the first shows I saw in there. Um, and then they moved to another space on Halstead. Um, and then they eventually moved into the big and they became, you know, an institution. They were not an institution in those days. They were a small theater. I mean, they were equity. They were professional, you know, union theater, but they were not. They were not remotely that thing. So, I mean, those, the, uh, all my teachers at Columbia were, most of them were Steppenwolf, which was fun. I think you, you've been teaching for about 25 or even 25. 30. 30, I was going to say. Do you think you've changed dramatically because of the time? And, and if so, was it because of the culture around you? Or, or do you think was it like the policies of Columbia that had to make you realize like, oh, I need to, tweak this or tweak this about myself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've changed a lot. I also, I mean, when I went to graduate school, I mean, again, I, I, I've not done those things where like you finish this and then you go to graduate school and do that. So I, I didn't, I started graduate school in 95. Um, and I graduated undergrad in 86. So, so it was a bunch of time and, and same thing. It was sort of like, what do I want to study in graduate school? You know, I was working as an actor. I did not want to, do an MFA in acting because I was like, what do I need that for? Um, and also like, why go away from working for two years? And at that point in time, I'd realized like I did not really want to be a professional actor. 
you know, like I had no interest in actually in that particular life. Um, I wanted to keep performing, but I did not want to be a professional actor. Um, so, so anyway, so I, so I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And I guess I was like, well, I could do an NSA in directing. It's like, but uh, I just don't want to study that again. I want to do something else. So I actually, um, and so I thought education, um, and, uh, and then I started looking at education degrees, but they're all K through 12. Like there is no, there is no, here's how you teach college degree. Right. Like there isn't one. It's, it's, it's really kind of fucked up. Um, so there's a, there's a program at DePaul called the School for New Learning, where you, you devise your own program. Like they have very specific learning objectives and benchmarks and things like that. And you have to create a, a curriculum for yourself within that. So I, I was like, I will create a curriculum of how do you, teach performance like what does it mean to teach performance um and and so that's what i did and and I, and that was a brilliant thing to do it was like a two-year program most kind of part-time i mean i could still teach at columbia while i was doing that um but you know you studied collaborative process and you studied leadership and you studied uh um, diversity equity and inclusion issues and you studied theory and you studied all sorts of stuff and so um ethics around blah 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 and so that i started to really like dig into like how do you what is this teaching thing um uh and professionalize that curriculum development and things like that and it's like oh holy crap i've been doing this totally by instinct and and it's it's fine but it's not good enough um and so anyway i started to really think about how do you Great curriculum and all that kind of stuff. And then I was also working with a story I'm going on too long, um, theater company called Plasticine. And, yeah. we, and we were teaching a lot, uh, doing like, um, professional teaching to professional artists and residencies and things like that. And, and the other people I was, who were in that company, like Dexter Bullard, um, and, and Sharon Gottford were excellent teachers. And, and I learned a lot from them and I hope they learned from me. And then I started doing the community arts stuff as well around that period of time, around 95. And so like, like looking and going like, oh, how do you work with other populations? Um, what does it mean to create, do you see it as a community building exercise? All that kind of stuff is like, wow. Um, so all that stuff kind of blew my mind. And, and, and so yeah, I just keep, so that, that's, that's my jam now is just, I keep, doing that thing and so it's shifting into this like online world and online teaching and all that that's that feels natural to me not the online world but like oh you have to shift your pedagogy you know you have to shift your tempo i've also like taught in other countries yeah. right i've taught through translators before so so yeah i just i mean that's my thing is that I, i'm really i keep trying to learn new things about teaching yeah, I'm currently teaching a, a in-school, preschool class of, like, three kids. Oh. And it's funny because, you know, I, I was in this teaching practicum with you, and then I took a couple teaching artist classes and wanted to study and wanted to teach high school. Right. Class, slash theater. Right. And so when this job came, like, hey, you want to teach pre-K? I'm like, well, how do you teach pre-K? And like, it's, it's actually, I thought, I thought, well, this might be easy. You know, we're just going to do, we're going to sing our ABCs. No, it's fucking hard. Yeah. Because it's literally, sometimes you're doing the exact same thing multiple days in a row, just to really drill it in their heads. You know, right. we spend two weeks learning like the ABCs and like how to write one. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I'm literally doing that all this time. And yeah. and then I realized, like, you know, eventually they're, they're getting tired of my my voice. And so we're going to do a theater week. And yeah. we're, we're going to place it on this crush question of, like, what is theater? And I asked them this. And they don't know what theater is. They don't know sure. what performing is. And so we're going up this idea of this is it's play and imagination. And so we're going to have, we're going to play. And they're all like, okay. And other thing I realize is four-year-olds can't learn by sitting down sometimes. Most right. of them, some of them can, most of them can. So when we're talking right. about play, they're like, okay, as they're sitting crisscross applesauce, as I want them to. Mm-hmm. This game of instant story where I'm going to point to one kid. Where are we? And then we'll, someone's like, we're in Unicorn Island. Great. We're in Unicorn Island. Right. Why are we in Unicorn Island? I asked this other student. We're going to see Mama Unicorn. Great. We're going to go see Mama Unicorn. How are we going to go see Mama Unicorn? We're going to ride tractors. Perfect. Let's get up, ride our track. Yeah. And we're doing this for about 20 minutes. And they're, they're, now they're getting excited. And that's just rewarding at this point. Like finally something that is just working. Right. Um, me, Mr. Miat, as they like to call me. Mr. Miat? Yeah, it's either Miat or Matt. They can never just say Matt, which, fine. I'll, that's I'll, I'll so sweet. Right? Yeah, no, that's great. That's so great. Yeah, teaching, I mean, that, you have to know child development, right, to teach kids. So. Yeah. And speaking of classes, like, you were in this, or oh, this company was going on for, what, 17 years now or something like that? Like, how did this even get started? Were you were you like one of the origins who helped start it? Yeah, I got I got cast in a show called Tiny Dimes, um, famous door theater. Um, and Dexter Bullard directed the show. And Dexter and I knew each other. You know, he he'd wanted to he'd seen me audition for stuff, and and um, he thought I was like Charlie Chaplin. He he thought I was just a really good physical performer. Um, Chaplin-esque was the first note he ever wrote when I auditioned for him, which was very, uh, that's a pretty good note. I'll take that. Um, so, so he'd wanted to work with me for a long time and this show came up and, and I auditioned and, and it was a really, really competitive audition. Um, uh, super competitive audition. We actually watched each other's callbacks. It was intense. And these they were really good actors in the room. Like Jeff, Jeff Still was there. Um, he does Broadway now a lot. Um, uh, Will Casey was in that show with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, so I, I did that show, and it was very physical and incredibly funny and really absurd. It was a really insane play. Um, it was super gonzo play. Um, uh, it was really fun, and, and it went really well. And, and Dexter and I just got really close, you know, over that. And he was like, hey, I really want to do something. I'm tired of, like, producing scripts i want to do something else um and it's like yeah and again i'd done like some pretty odd stuff in canada that was devised theater that that did really well like we played a major festival in montreal and whatever um so it's like yeah I've, i've been wanting to do that as well for a long time so we recruited some other people and we just started to explore stuff we just we we got a rehearsal room in a church, um, and we just started to set ourselves up tasks um, and explore them and play and and uh, and then we're like, well, then now what do we do? It's like, well, we build a show, right? So we like, well, what do we even build a show out of? And so um, so we 
we decided whatever. I mean, this is, there's a story in in that particular show, but we created this show called Door Slam. Um, knob turn, as some of us call it. Um, uh, no words, 60 minutes, really high energy. Um, and we performed it in the Chopin basement. We premiered it in the Chopin theater in the basement and people were like, right. what is this? Um, and, and yeah, it was 95. And then we, we, we got a break. We went to Steppenwolf and we said, Hey, can we do this as a late night? Um, and, and Martha Levy at the time was like, um, I still remember the meeting because she was like, we showed her some tape from the show. Um, and, and we just got really involved in watching ourselves because <laughs> we just liked the show a lot. And she said, I'm going to do this for you because you all clearly love your work so much that it's just, it, it's great. Like it's just really. So we did, we did it as a late night, weirdly enough, at Steppenwolf. I think the only late night they'd ever done. Um, and that changed things a lot because like instead of having 40 people a night at your show, you have 140 and you've got Steppenwolf on here, whatever. So then we did it at the, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as well. And, and we were both loved and hated there. Uh, but we had a really good time in Edinburgh together for a month. Um, and then we just started to, we just was like, okay, next show, next show, next show. So we just made shows for, for like, yeah, for 17 years. And then, you know, things happen. Like I, we had babies. And so I dropped out for a couple of years because I just couldn't be away from home. Um, so there was that. And then Dexter got married and then I got, you know, the full time job at Columbia became more intense and also having three kids. And then Dexter got a full time job at DePaul and that became more intense. And, Anyway, so we just, we eventually just um, kind of ran out of energy to run a company. Right. It's, it, listening to you and watching your work, and I'm thinking a lot about Device, the theater. I don't even think you, there are actors in Device, too. They're more like creative artists because mm -hmm. you, like you're saying you're coming up with a script from scratch, and then you're, is, is it, is, are you even an, an actor in this, or is it just a group of artists coming together? making something is it something like that is that what device theater is about yeah i mean for sure although at a certain point when you perform the show you become an actor okay. like once you, there is there is a shift in in the, the work is very much like you build and create and navigate and argue and revise and fix and compromise and all that you know all that stuff um but eventually you, you know it, it it it's a show um yeah. and so eventually it's like yeah, you're putting it up for an audience. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, sometimes that transition is a little, is interesting, like is an interest. That's a different story though about the vice theater. I mean, I could talk about it for a long time. Um, sometimes it's like not like two or three weeks into the run where you're like, Oh, right. This is what performing the show really is. Maybe you step back from the creative role and you're fully in the performance mode, <laughs> but, um, but that also changed. I mean, different shows. We we learned how to be better performers early in the run of a show. That's nice. Is it hard to maintain like a balance of an artist and a professor? I, I as over time is have you learned? You know, you have to stop going out till two in the morning. You have to eat better, go to bed on time. Is, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, also, I mean, being a being a father, being a parent, yeah. will do that to you. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you, you don't do that. 
you also like you just use time better. It's like, okay, we're going to rehearse from 7.30 till 10. 7.30, let's start rehearsing. You know, you don't like come in, chit chat for half an hour and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, let's work. Let's, let's be here. Let's do the thing. Nine o'clock, I'm, I'm out of here. 10 o'clock, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I got to go home. I got to go to bed. Got to get up in the morning at the nine o'clock class. So yeah, yeah, you definitely, um, yeah, you definitely. Were you able to like make, like get that immediately or that, you know, take time? It didn't take that long because I mean, we did, we had an intense family, right? Like we had three kids in two years. So. Never, but you liked it. Not, I, oh my God, I loved it. Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Like when, when I was going from show to show and I was, you know, going through, you know, I was in waking up at 6 a.m. and getting down to class by 8.30 and then doing two classes till one and then mm-hmm. hopping on a train or hopping on the L to get to rehearsal two hours early, taking a power nap and then memorizing my lines for whatever, for I'm playing a rock or something and I have to mm-hmm. figure out what I'm doing. Something like that. that. And then getting home at quarter of the midnight only to do it all over again or to go to my job. There's just an energy that I'm like, all right, I have no sleep, but coffee is on my side and right. the work I'm doing is on my side. Keep it coming, pretty much, is what I was going through after a while. Um, yeah. But yeah, even, for sure. But even this pandemic, I think, has really changed it all because now I'm so used to running 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 going all over the place and then when it all started it was all just a slowdown of uh i don't oh i don't have to wake up as early or or sweats have become my new best friend now like i only only own one pair of sweats at the time now i have two pairs of sweats at the time um i i never like wearing sweats in class um right right that's right. Got to Columbia, and they're like, "You need to wear sweat." You wore Oxfords as well. You didn't wear running shoes. You wore Oxfords. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when I first started, I was wearing my pajama pants, and I would just put over my jeans because I was like, "Well, I don't have any sweats. It's all just mm-hmm. wear what I wore to bed and shower right. at in the afternoon." You know that. Right. So I right. love the energies. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Do you um. How how have you think the culture and the students have changed over time at Columbia? Is it more? I do you think they're more? I I would think now there is more of a leadership of like this is what I want to do or I know what I want to do or was it was it still the same thirty plus years ago? I, I would say that more students have a clearer idea of what they would like to accomplish. Yeah. I would say there's a clearer sense of it. I mean, in some ways, though, in the past, um, you know, the, the pathway was like, here's the pathway. There was, there were not, cause we did not have all this, you know, like I did not have a computer. I did not have a computer in an undergrad. Yeah. I did not certainly did not have a cell phone or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So, um, <clears throat> so the media landscape has changed so drastically. Um, so, you know, you could not make a, 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 a film on your phone because you didn't have a phone, right? Like you needed to have a camera. Um, there was, you know, nothing was recorded to like HD, you know, things were recorded to VHS, you get a VHS or a high eight or whatever. Um, you know, but it was all magnetic tape. There was no digital recording of any kind. So, I mean, those, that, that's, 
I can't tell you how much that radically has changed the world. Um, podcasting didn't exist. I mean, there were radio interview shows, but they were live on the radio, right? Um, or people went out and recorded things, but there was no podcasting. Um, there was no site where you could do it. You had to get on a radio station, right? So the, the, the pathways were, were more like, here's the pathway, right? Right. Um, and so, and so that, yeah, there was, there, there, now there are just multiple pathways. Um, and so, and so I think people are a little, a lot more, um, yeah, thoughtful about where they're headed. Like I, I'm actually teaching an entrepreneurship class this semester. It's a new requirement at Columbia called innovation and impact. Um, and the idea is it's an LAS class. And the idea is that you're teaching entrepreneurship skills, um, alongside some kind of artistic practice. Um, so it's, I have no theater students. I have one theater student in my class. How's that been so far? Uh, it's been, it's, 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 it's a very different culture. Uh, it's been fine. Actually, it's, it's, we had a really great class this last week. Um, and it's, they're just, you know, they're out, out of their comfort zone. It's, it's been, it's been a little stressful. Um, but you know, whatever I'm trying to be like, this is what we're doing. Like, yeah, let's just do it. Um, I mean, so I think, I think it's going to be, a, I think it's ended up a good class. And I'm kind of like, wow, I wish, I wish I'd had something like this as a, you know, undergrad. I think, I don't know if I would have been ready for it. And I actually don't think the landscape of the world was quite ready for that, a class like that. So I don't know what we would have done with it. Be like, what? Um, but now it makes perfect sense. And I realize like I do a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. Right. I mean, I, this is off topic, but. I remember when I was in your theater history class a couple years ago, the amount of, you know, the amount of fun we had in that class. Um, that, uh, like my love of research came from that class and mostly wasn't because, you know, we had this whole conversation of people trying to find answers for certain projects. Well, it's right. like, we don't, can't, you can't just read the headline or just the intro. You have to read the whole article or find smaller pieces and bigger pieces, what's real, what's fake. And, you know, that led to some students being very frustrated with For the process, sure. which understandable. But also like for me, I'm like, oh, this is, I can just keep going and keep going. And this is, you know, again, the origins before we started this show. Um, right. Well, I was like, I don't know how to interview anyone. But so, but then realized, oh, I have to do a certain background work. Yeah, which is, you know, at first very hard, but also very interesting. And, you know, I did a whole 15 minute presentation about marketing for puppets. Mm -hmm. I, I don't jack nothing right. about, about puppets until, right. you know, 4 a.m. the night before my presentation. At that point, man, I still got it. I don't, I'm going to be honest. I know nothing now about it, but for those couple hours, I, I can tell you everything about, uh, puppets. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, is it, is how important is it, you know, I think, like you said, the students have changed over time. And I think especially now more than ever in this world we're living in now after. Right. The yeah. Past, social justice issues are really pressed. Four years of, a pre, of our previous president, a pandemic, you know. Yep. And I think, and how important is it for teachers to listen to a different generation? And, and I, th I would think it's very important to let me realize, like, you know, readjust everything that you know. Yeah. Yep. Do you, do you think you listen more to your students now more than ever? 
Yes. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we have some time. We're going to do a game called okay. uh, Time for Two. Okay. Two minutes on the clock. World's greatest icebreaker questions. There is no right. There is no wrong. I'm just curious to hear uh, your opinion. Okay. All right. Let me get the clock ready. All right. You ready? Two minutes. Short answers, right? Oh, short answers. First answer that pops in your head. Right. All right. Here we go. In three, two, one, go. Favorite food? Pasta. Uh, are you afraid of Virginia Wolf? No. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. What is your name? Uh, Old Curly. What is your quest? <laughs> Seek the Holy Grail. Yeah, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? European or African? <laughs> <laughs> what did you have ah! for breakfast? What, what did I have for breakfast? I had oatmeal with some flaxseed and cranberries and a pear and a couple of cups of coffee. There you go. Uh, fruits or veggies? Oh, fruits. That's what movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? Uh, the Five Bloods. Uh, if you could have any animal as a pet that's not a cat, what would it be? Mm. Uh, a hedgehog. Ooh. Things you buy most often at a grocery store? Uh, um, most often? Yeah. Uh, dairy. <laughs> have you ever been kicked out of a bar? Yes. Do you wash your hands after going to the bathroom every time? Yes. <laughs> uh, beer or wine? Both. Is there really a house? Wine. wine. Is there a house on the rising sun? Uh, there is a house on the rising sun. Nice. I story about that, too. <laughs> Hippies or hipsters? Hippies. Ted Danson, your thoughts? Who? Ted, Ted Danson? Danson? Oh, Brilliant in season two of Fargo. Brilliant. Oh, great, great. Brilliant. Uh, what was in your high school locker? Uh, uh, a hash pipe. Last one, who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, a tune did it. That's how we play. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring this game to every party uh, once all this is over, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Well, uh, Brian, before we go, my last question to you uh, mm-hmm. is, are your parents proud, proud of you? Um, my dad was. He's dead. My dad my dad was proud of me, for sure. My mother, I don't think so. Well, on that note. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go, Brian, is there anything you want to plug and what's going on with you? You know I do because I'm always, you know, working on stuff. So there are three things. Um, one is, although the podcast is um, uh, is a little old, it's been out for a year, but it's called Growing Voices Podcast. Um, and you can find it online at growingvoicespodcast.org or you can find it on on, on the on the podcast things. And that that's a youth uh, podcast about youth theater. We're going to be working on that more this summer, but you can listen to the episodes of that. Um, I was in rehearsal for a play uh, when the pandemic started, so we were a week into rehearsals, we obviously shut down, but um, we recorded uh, audio of the play, and it's been um, worked into something called the Nina Variations, so if you go to Facility Theater's website, 
Facility Theater's website and look for the Nina variations. There are nine short episodes that they've created that have audio and beautiful sound by Sam Clapp, who's amazing, um, and, some, and some cool video kind of mixed in that. So you can look at that. Um, and I, I, I'm one of the voices on that. And then the last thing is I'm we're in final post-production. Hopefully we'll be done this week for a short film called The Greeting, um, which will be, uh, hopefully we'll be getting into festivals soon. It's looking really super beautiful. I'll post something on my Facebook page once I have a little bit more information, but it's called The Greeting. So that's a short film that we shot during, during the, we shot it last fall uh, during pandemic, one actor. Um, it's, it's looking beautiful. That's awesome. Well, we can't we can't wait for it. Thanks, Brian. I can't thank you enough for um, coming on. This is always it's always fun chatting with you and still you. learning up until this point. You know. Thank you, Matt. It was really lovely to to chat with you too. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. Yes. I love Brian Shaw. I think he I is, do too. I think he's just so interesting to listen to, and his stories are you know there's a subtle emotional uh, bone there. Uh, like him with so he is subtly emotional and that's really he's, cool. he's one of a kind he was he actually taught i think the very last theater class like last day of classes that i had right before graduation was brian shaw's class wow and you know what it was a pretty good way to go out wait that was our the class that we had together buddy yes it was we had it together it was theater history and inquiry yeah 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 I, what that was a finals project what did you do again I did, what did I do? It was something about Moliere. I think so. I don't know. I, I talked about puppets. Yeah, I talked about Moliere. Okay. Anyway, but uh, we've decided that uh, rather than make another whole episode of us just wrapping up and giggling and uh, talking about the rest giggling. of the season. <laughs> what? We giggle. Like we're, 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 we're the school children but underneath the, the uh, bleachers watching the football games. I don't know what he's talking about, but anyway, we thought we'd just take the last uh, 20, 25 minutes or so of this episode to just do a quick little wrap up on the rest of season three, how, how it went. Uh, this was by far our longest, most uh, ambitious season yet of Are Your Parents Proud of You? Yeah, 20 episodes, 10 in the fall, 10 in the winter. And no, I it was, it was, it was actually like 12 in the fall you're right 12 in the and fall, then eight, and then eight eight you're at totally the end right. yeah um too many too many episodes I've, I've lost count there's there's a lot of them um i i actually might need to go get my computer so i can remember who all the episodes were. i can i can i can help you out buddy uh, uh oh wait I, no wait i could just pull it up on spotify because we're on spotify nice plug thank you i try yeah. Here, don't worry. I'm going to go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts to find the rest of our episodes. Matt, we weren't supposed to plug our socials to the very <laughs> we end. started it. Anyway. Anyway, so let, uh, I'm actually going to uh, turn the tables a little bit, and we're going to talk about a little, something a little serious that happened to me um, during this. All, this oh, whole... are, we, are we doing this now? Yeah, we might as well. You know uh, what? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, might as well. So uh, during the recording process of this whole season, I uh, uh, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, I mentioned a little bit when Alonzo was on the show, but uh, during uh, the recordings, uh, I had to go be uh, admitted into a hospital, uh, emergency room, and had to spend the night there for a couple of days. Um, 
So that was, it was rough. But it was rough, especially when we had an episode we needed to make extra edits to. Yeah. And I was trying to call Matt while he was in the hospital. And so I, yeah, this is for Carissa's episode. And yes. Yeah. And so you called me and you were like, we got, and I was like, we got to make the edits. But we're also like, well, Matt's in the hospital. He's nowhere near a podcast microphone at all right now. How are we going to do this? So we just said, so we had to wait like Friday night at like nine o'clock my time. Yeah. And then when it was like quiet and not busy in the room or in the hallway at the hospital, and we just had to fix it then on the spot. It was, yeah, it was, it was very stressful because without going into too much detail, we had basically made a tiny factual error in our intro that needed to be re-recorded. Yeah. But Matt was in the hospital, not near a microphone and the, uh, it was very difficult to make happen, but and we very made it sad. Work. I was very sad during all this. So it was very I know. and and we were trying to like you were trying to like text or call Carissa to try and explain what was going on. Yeah, I had to um, after, we thought, yeah, after we, we thought we might have to delay the episode by a day because close. of it. Yeah, I, I eventually had to email her, be like, so this is the best we can kind of do at this moment. Circumstances have changed, and she's like, No, no, I loved it. No, don't worry, you're good. Okay, uh, so we, we were we were a okay, and shout out to Carissa and Bramble Theater for not only like sharing the episode with people, they downloaded it and been playing and showing pictures of it, which has been awesome. Um, I yeah, love that, that, that was, was really cool. And what's cool was like I was an, I that was our first time meeting. Um, I was, was I, it? Yeah, I got inspired wow. her and a couple different artists back in. I think January it was, they did like a whole panel about casting and mm. um, I was struck by her and was like, I want to have more conversations with her. And so reached out and she said, yes. Um, but yeah, that was the big thing that happened to me during this season was a health scare, but don't worry. I am feeling a lot better. Uh, taking yeah. it one, one day at a time. Uh, and you know, not to be too sentimental, but seeing the faces of my lovely friends like Griffin right here makes things all the more better. Yeah, my face that's definitely lovely and not <laughs> monstrous. No, that that's my face. Hey, did I tell you I posted a picture of our, of us from a waiter on our Instagram and people liked it a lot. Did you really? Yeah. I, I I was not aware of this because. Wait, when As you took, know, I do not have an Instagram. No, you don't. When we took a week off, I was like, oh, I'll make a little joke about it. Uh, and so just just posted about it um, made a, and made a joke. And um, I'm trying to find it right now. Was it the one of us laughing? No, it was one of us screaming. I think that's the same one. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, you ready for this? You're, you're going to, because you. I'm going to read this out loud. Apologies for people who liked us already. Ah, no new episode this week? Yeah, we're currently working on the finishing touches of our season, needing some time off. But fear not, we'll be back next week with a potential crossover. Stay tuned. Here's a pic of our beloved heroes pre-COVID and the room of responsibilities. Oh, that picture. That is a good picture. Yeah. So I posted <laughs> that, that was a very good picture. Um, should we talk about the crossover episode now? Because that 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 kind of came out of left field as far as I was concerned. Yeah, we can talk about that. So Taylor Sicole, um reached out to me. We uh, you know we talked about this before. We did a re- I did a reading with him back in um, the holidays, and he the day after he reached out, he's like, 
I, if I do a podcast as well, if you want to do a crossover, let me know. And so I was like, yeah, I, I really didn't think about it much. I was like, yeah, sure. This would be fun. Don't know when we'll be able to do this. And then a couple of weeks later, he reached out again. He's like, I think I want to do this like soon. And I looked at yeah. it and I was like, you know, this could be work. This could work for our, our six episode. And I don't think you know the behind the scenes about this story, Griffin. Uh, um, probably not. So him and Chris live um and they live in different places i know that like eastern time zones and so that day i came home i took a nap and was nowhere near my phone oh did you mess up the time zone oh i totally messed up the time zones you know what we've done that just for meeting up with each other so it happens then again i was like 15 minutes late or 20 i don't know taylor can call me out on it if he really wants to (laughs) (laughs) um but then it got better because I hadn't used the bathroom yet. So about 45 minutes in, I, I was like, hey, y'all, I need to I need to go use the bathroom. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, oh, okay. And I'm going to the bathroom thinking they probably think I'm like the worst person in the world right now. I'm late. And now I'm delaying their episode even more. Oh, you uh, silly boy. I, I think, but that was when the symptoms of my illness was getting worse. And we just had no idea at the time. Um, right. But, but that was a that was fun and i didn't really that know that was a fun episode i didn't really know what to expect honestly cuz we really didn't like i didn't either because you had told me like next to nothing about the crossover until it was already happening and it was time for me to go edit it yeah i think cuz even the three of us were like well what's cuz we are very different shows you know this is an interview show and they are a discussion about uh, all things sci-fi superhero nerd stuff etc all that nerd shit yeah all that nerd shit but good stuff uh so i was like well how is this going to work and then we just actually got into a real conversation about like you know just life and you know relatability and they're great if you have not listened to the potential podcast find it and uh you can listen to our so our episodes on their show too yeah, both the episode is up on on both uh, podcast pages. It was a it was a really cool opportunity and and yeah. uh, I you know, a we, good time. Maybe we'll do more crossovers with them or other podcasts in the future. Yeah, maybe we will. Um, but so so that happened, and then I think for me, Alonzo Duralde was was pretty cool. That was a really good episode. I because again, I mentioned this: the fact that I watched him on YouTube for like ten years now, and now he's like watching me from my bedroom. Yeah, um, that's that's that's. I I know the feeling very much. But it, it sucked because I was having Wi-Fi issues that day. Oof. So like, Oof. We, we came on and all, and, and immediately my screen's freezing, and I'm like panicking. And so I eventually went to my hotspot, but you know what happens in Zoom means where like the Wi-Fi is so bad, it just kicks you out. Yeah. Yeah, it happened to me. And I'm like going nuts. I'm like, God, I'm swearing up a storm. And eventually he, I came on and I was like, fuck, fuck, hello, Alonzo again. <laughs> like I, I was trying to like hide everything. He was like, oh, cool. Let's, let's go, let's do it. He was totally cool. And he was like, I'm not blaming you. This is a pandemic and Zoom. Zoom sucks sometimes. Um, it's true. Zoom does suck sometimes. But that was uh, that was cool. As someone who's not like up to the talent of his when it comes to film journalism and film history, um, 
just to have a good discussion about film I, that was that was cool i i really liked yeah it. that that was a really good one i very much enjoyed listening to that one i'm kind of trying to think because usually there's a lot of episodes where like something weird or or funny will happen during the editing process that i can talk about but i'm looking at the list of episodes here that uh of our last uh eight and honestly not much they were all they were all pretty like smooth editing processes i i also need to mention this real quick um i don't know if we've ever pointed this out before but i'm on our spotify page for the podcast oh no for some reason the first letter of every word is capitalized as we normally do Uh but for some reason the the f in of is also capitalized so it looks like it says are your parents proud of you (laughs) Okay, uh, edit for me to do tonight. Um, really? No, I think we should leave it. I think it's funny. <laughs> we should leave. And then, and then in the what's funny is in in the description of the podcast, you right. wrote it out again, and in that one, uh, neither letter of of is capitalized. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Great. I swear, folks, we're professional. But I think those last eight have a lot to do with the guests. Um, and just the really good conversations they bring with them. Um, oh yeah. Like when I say like not much was happening editing wise, that's a good thing. Yeah. That means, that that means like Matt wasn't fucking around this time. Yeah. That means Matt wasn't fucking around. That means there were no like connection issues. There was was no leg lamp falling to the middle, in the middle of a recording. Oh yeah. Wait, when did that happen? That happened when we had Gabe Freeze on last fall. Oh, that's right. Yes, I, I do remember that. Yeah, that was, I think that was probably the worst that's happened was the leg lamp falling. So shout out to Gabe Freeze. Your episode had the biggest blooper. Of and you know what? The Gabe Freeze episode was also the episode where like the mic volumes were all screwed up for it some did, reason. I, I don't know. What it took like two hours for me to edit what should have taken like 45 minutes. Yeah, I don't know why, but. Um, but anyway, Let's see. Um, let me let me look through the list again. What other episodes we haven't well, talked about? I, I so. want to give a shout out to Amanda Flayive, who uh, yes. Well, because I think we mentioned I I told you this. She looked at her camera the entire time, and I was immediately like nervous. I was I thought, oh, does this mean I have to look at my camera the entire time? Because I'm so used to looking at like I'm looking at Griffin's face, not at the camera at all right now. Um, and so I was like, oh, great. Now we can't, I can't cut away from the camera at all. So if we look at the pictures, if I really feel like I'm on like a kid show right now, when I was looking at the camera the entire time. Yeah. But yeah, that was interesting. Oh, you know what? Now that I'm recalling it, uh, which was the episode where we talked about the, the Capitol riots? First one. Was that Meg Elliott's episode? That was Meg Elliott. Oh, yeah, that was that was an interesting time. Yeah, I think we kind of wanted to address it. I think it just felt like yeah. such a, like the election. It felt like such a big turn of events. And it was like, how can you not talk about it? Yeah, it, that I I definitely agree. It was also I just remember at the time being like, okay, like make sure that Meg is okay with us talking and she about was this. Totally like, cool about it, and she is. She is a wonderful person to talk to. Oh yeah, no, she she was super chill about it. it. It was it was a good it was a good time, and it was a good thing to to be able to talk about because that shit is important. 
Right. Let's yeah, get let's on. get to the one that you know we mentioned the most that we haven't mentioned a lot. Uh, Barbara Robertson. Yes, I was just saying we we must take a moment to talk about Barbara Robertson. Uh, we, what do you want to talk about? Um, what do you want to talk about more? Do you want to talk about the recording for her intro, or the actual episode itself? Wait, the recording for her intro. Why am I forgetting what this was? I kept mispronouncing her name. Oh. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. I'm yeah, so Matt Matt kept accidentally saying Robinson instead of Robertson. And I think we ended up having to re-record that intro like three times, maybe. Shut up. Because oh my god, you brought this up. <laughs> you can't tell me to shut up after you're the one who brought this up. <laughs> Again, we're professional actors, I swear um now that was yeah incredible i i think it's probably one of the more common episodes uh we've done when barbara robertson gets into something she deepens her voice and you know it's so good to listen oh yeah to. she yes she goes into intense actor mode it's oh, so I, wonderful. I loved it i loved it so much and i think i don't know what you griffin when you see like an um not an older artist but like more of a veteran presence a more uh, a well-versed experienced artist right i think it reaffirms my faith that like when we do come back in a theater we're gonna be okay yeah absolutely like Bar barbara robertson will carry the entire theater scene by herself if she has to right uh, I, I'm I'm really happy that we were finally able to make that episode happen, and it was a really good episode too. Good times. Good times. So I mean, we didn't mention Travis. Yeah, I think I think Travis is the only one uh, that we haven't mentioned yet. Tra Travis, I texted him last week. He got me into the grassy. Really? Well, just the theme song. Oh. <laughs> so overall, Griffin. 12 episodes in the fall, eight in the spring, in the winter. How do you feel about season three as a whole? I, I think uh, it's probably our, our, our best season thus far. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for during the end of season two, we were still sort of figuring out how to do the whole Zoom thing um, and making recordings happen during the pandemic. And, and this season, we were just like, we got this. We know what we're doing. We we started putting them out every week. Yeah. Um, it was it was nice to be on more of a fixed schedule, um, and I think it it came out really well. I'm so proud of the work that we. Yeah, and and I don't think at any point like either of us felt overwhelmed that much. I mean, there were, and even if we had moments where we did, we could we could just easily be like, "Hey, can we take next week off?" Yeah, cool. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, and that's a testament to you, Griffin, to our wonderful guests who have volunteered to come on and have agreed to come on and have these great talks. Um, yeah, thank you all for. Yeah, thank, our, thank you to all the guests. Thank, thank you to, to Matt thank, for being so good at interviewing them. Thank you to Connor Brown for leaving the show. <laughs> <laughs> No, we, I, I I literally was thinking as I was saying this is probably our best season yet. I was like, okay, 
that that's not a dig at Connor. <laughs> that's not. It's totally not. It's, a dig. it's totally not. It's totally no. not. And it was so Con- much fun. It was so much fun that she came back. Um, yes, I I loved having her back for that one episode uh, around Christmas time. That was a really the fun hardest time. I've laughed on that show too. Well, of course, because you you just you just get into a a goofy mood when Connor's in the building. Well, I know because that's when the March of the Penguins bit came on. The March of the Penguins. I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't, you, you don't remember when you're like, oh, we got five seconds. I got to think of a question. You go, Matt, what's your favorite movie? And I'm like, uh, March of the Penguins. Matt, we recorded that episode like early in the morning. I had just woken up. I don't remember any of that. Griffin, if I, if I send you the clip, you will see yourself laughing as hard as I, 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 I mean, I believe you. I, I believe you. I'm just telling you, I don't remember. Okay. Well, We're recording this at 2 a.m. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my time of day. Of course, it's 4 a.m. my time right now. Yeah. That means that means I am three hours away from watching Al Roker on TV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love today. All I right. Love, I love Al. Season four. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's wrap this puppy so, up and put, we, a, we, put a button so, on season so, three. So season one was a single parent season two with a newlyweds season three was the first child season four is a nearly complete family i don't quite understand this analogy but sure we're coming back for season four baby we are coming back for season four this show will will keep go as long as there is an audience and as long as we have the drive to do it we're gonna keep making this show um and yeah season season four will be coming probably in the summer probably i think we're gonna take some some well-needed rest yeah Uh, we're we're definitely we're definitely taking at least like the month of april and probably may as well off yeah so so i time to uh you know start getting back into the the swing of things yeah so we're we're what we'll say for now is sometime in the summer of 2021 we will probably be coming back and for season gonna, four and, and if we're gonna mention the co-host i we will just say right now we're working on it yes we are currently in process of finding another co-host to join matt um this will become even more possible as more people get vaccinated and things start opening up back again yeah. and maybe maybe if we're lucky we might get to record some stuff in person next season maybe that's that's not a promise that's a big oof yeah that's a big if yeah but but you know everything it's all going to come down to if we find the co-host that we think this is someone who i think we we think can engage in a conversation for an hour and then um and then also you know if stuff is opened back up and we feel safe seeing people in person again as well right uh, I don't really think I see us having guests in the same room yet. Probably not. Although you never know if we get to like this time next year and we're still on, well, I don't know how long season four will go for. We'll have to discuss this. This is all stuff we should be discussing in a meeting after this recording. <laughs> I know. Anyway. So we're going to, so we're going to stop speculating now. Right. Um, so and we'll just, we'll, we will just say, be on the lookout for some announcement soon. Yeah, be on the lookout. Season four will happen. It's it's just a matter of us taking some time off and uh, 
having the energy to come back and having guests ready and all that stuff. So um, should we, should we, I know I already sort of plugged our socials at the beginning, but well, we well, should do well, the rest of that. Well, here, here, I'll do it. Uh, if you, if you miss us during your spring break, which by the way, if you're doing spring break, you better be doing it safely. Uh, yeah. Nice. Don't, don't go to Florida for spring break. If I see one of y'all in Florida and you don't have a mask on, it better not be a clear mask. I, unless you live in Florida, then, well, I don't know what to tell you. So email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Oh, for the love of God, give us your emails. I don't know how many times I have to sit here and beg on this show to get emails from people. Just do it. It's so easy. Like, it could just be one word. It could just be, you just say hi, and that's it. And I will, and I will appreciate it. That's perfect. That is so perfect. Yeah. Um, and and you can also like us on Facebook and Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast. And you, you can, can get this can show. Find me on Instagram at mshoof251. Griffin, where they can find you? Uh, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not Great. on, I don't, I, I literally don't do social media. Great. So if you see Griffin by a garbage can, that's how you can. Yeah, you can find me by the garbage can. <laughs> hey, Griffin, what's going to be your uh, your spring job now that we're going to take some time off? Oh, man. Uh, man, you've blindsided me. I haven't even thought of making up a fake job. Um, hey, do you want to be the new... I, I hear this golf course needs a new uh, flagpole. You want to be, become... Yes, I... Hey, I'm tall. That works. Yeah. I'm the official flagpole of are your, your hair, parents your proud looks, of you. Your hair looks good in the wind. It could be the flag. That's true. My hair does look good in the winds. There you go. Well, folks, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for listening to this third season. It's been such a blast. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, wear your mask. Yep. Wait Keep wearing a mask. Get that Wait. vaccine as soon as you can. Yep. I'm already partially vaccinated, by the way. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. Right. But I, I probably won't get mine until like June. Yeah. But hey, man, once we're vaccinated, we can hug each other. That's true. Well, except we're still living in separate areas of the country right now. But shit, cut that out. Yeah, shit, cut that out. No, nobody say anything. Anyway, anyway. I'm I'm Griffin McCorkle. That's Matthew Shoefrider saying bye-bye to season three. It's been a great time, everyone. Thank you all and so much. Have a great night. We'll see you in the summer. Yep. Bye-bye.